This episode of our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by Zapper. Zapper is one of the world's leading XR companies. Over the past 12 years, they've won numerous awards for memorable campaigns. They've democratized AR by making tools and SDKs that anyone can use. And they created Zapbox, the world's most affordable mixed reality headset. Most recently, Zapper worked with Unilever to create an enhanced QR code called Accessible QR, which enables packaged goods to speak to the blind and partially sighted. If you're thinking XR, give the team at Zapper a call or visit Zapper.com to see how they can help you on your XR journey. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink. I'm here with Ted Shilowitz for This Week in XR. It's January 12th, 2024. Uh, and uh, CES is ending today. We're now uh, in, in our Vegas. recovery mode, right? Our 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 post CES <laughs> uh, therapeutic recovery, where Charlie and I talk about what we just saw over the last couple of days. Exactly. So last year I was home on Friday, and Ted was still in Vegas, and we flipped the script this we year. So you can see, I had to I'm in a hotel room. <laughs> You're so, still in your hotel room. I'm on the East Coast now. Uh, so what did we think of CES, Ted? Um, I thought it was a good CES. I mean, I gave two talks. I think you gave a couple of talks, right? And uh, it was interesting. I think I would say, and look, we had Gary Shapiro on last week who runs CES, which was kind of a coup that we were yes. able to get him. Yeah. Of, of, of all things in the media sphere, we were able to get Gary on our cute little podcast. And he talked, for, for those that haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. He talked about some of the most uniquely interesting things about the legalities and the lobbying and you know, his philosophy around technology and where it was going. It was a fascinating. Yeah, I did not expect us to have such a deep conversation about AI Absolutely. with Gary. I thought we were talking about Las Vegas and the show, but he has a background as an attorney yeah. and has been thinking about IP rights and duplication and uh, many of the same issues that we're looking at around AI have, you know, we've already been there with video cassettes and audio cassettes right. and, you know, how do you compensate the industry for, um, the duplication of audio cassettes, right? And so they had the blank tape manufacturers paying royalty on the assumption that that most of what they were creating was going to be used to illegally duplicate uh, recorded music. Yeah, so his insights were tremendous. I think yeah. you and I were just like, wow, he's really insightful because he's got this deep, rich history of understanding what the existential crisis that's going on right now with IP ownership and inspiration. And, you know, he's a very positive kind of forward-thinking guy that really oh, yeah. understands this in a way that isn't restrictive. He's all about, don't restrict it, let's figure it out. It was really amazing. Sure. So was... Gary, in a way, like us, he's he's a futurist who is a pastist. Mm -hmm. And yeah, by the way, we have, another, we have another futurist on the show with us today, Faith Powers, our guest, uh, famous author and futurist. Uh, and um, she has been thinking a lot about these topics. I think she's sort of the original futurist. I don't yeah. know if people were called, I don't think, did people call people like Arthur C. Clarke futurists? No, uh, they were authors, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, Faith was kind of the original futurist because, uh, and I think she introduced corporate America to the sort of long-term thinking about culture as a way to guide corporate strategy. Yeah, and got a lot of things right in her book. So she's- Yeah, she did. She did. And and when her first book came out in 1990, the C-suite people at Disney, where I was wor working at the time, went absolutely bonkers mm. because it was such a fresh way of thinking about consumers in the marketplace. Yeah, it'd be fun to talk to. Her. We're excited about so, it. So uh, my CES, let me give you a couple of, of 
high points and and also there was news outside of ces this week which we we should probably hit on too mm. um but ces this year struck me as kind of meh mm. um, there was nothing real i mean first of all my beat ar vr metaverse uh was um it's no longer special uh didn't hear <laughs> the word metaverse once um the um xr area was a, a little less a little smaller than it was a lot of and, well a little much more mature right it feels like there was yeah, a color of the herd we're not special anymore ted yeah yeah <laughs> i thought i thought ces i would say was kind of right size this year it didn't feel overwhelmingly busy but there were definitely people there eureka park was still packed to the gills yeah uh, but it 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 seemed like and gary mentioned this too it seems like there's a right amount of attendees to ces and they keep experimenting with how many people do they really want to come to this thing? And I think they kind of got it sort of right with around a hundred thousand people. It doesn't really. Well, they they sold one hundred and thirty thousand tickets, Gary. Yeah, so let's them. say a hundred k actually came, and you know whatever. Yeah, but really then you have a lot of people who roll in and just buy tickets right. and they get here. So I, I would. It felt about like a hundred and thirty thousand people to me. Maybe yeah, but I just didn't feel like it was ridiculous to me. Yeah. Vegas to is so that. the scale of Las Vegas is so huge now. Yeah. You know, there's so many of these you know, uh, thousand plus room hotels, uh, that, uh, and, and the spaces, the common spaces, uh, are so big. I'm staying at the Fontainebleau and the, the, the common spaces are, you know, they're three, four stories all enormous. All. Yeah, enormous and, pieces and of you know, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I put it 30 miles in Vegas in, in six days. Yeah. It's a, it's a, usually a 10 mile a day thing for me. That's about oh. what it is. Yeah. 10 oh. miles of steps. So, um, so that's a, now AI. I thought this was going to be the year of AI hype, right? AI hype. Uh, the metaverse hype has been so bad uh, at CES that it was almost embarrassing the kinds of things people were trying to tie to the metaverse. And I expected the same thing from AI this year. Uh, and I didn't really find it to be so. I didn't think that we are not at peak AI hype. We I yeah. may have said I thought we were headed for peak AI hype, but we're not close yet. Well, it certainly wasn't overwhelming like last year when everybody had to like stick metaverse on their company moniker or else yeah. they weren't going to get attention. But, you know, like uh, I was walking around with one of my team members from Paramount one day and we we did, of course, have some good comedy around. Oh, look, there's an AI backpack. And yeah. I was like, okay, AI has definitely jumped the shark now. And it was, you know, it was this uh, little Asian startup that basically built an app, probably using MidJourney or whatever. They didn't tell you what it was, but it was some, you know, open source AI thing that was out there. And all you do was just a little LED screen on the backpack, which we've all seen those little cheesy backpacks, right? Uh, but their little hook was you take your smartphone and you can build your little AI image and it will, you hit a button and it uploads to the back of the backpack. So nothing particularly amazing, but the way they marketed it was sort of adorable. It was like AI backpack now coming to you, you know, it's like, okay, there we go. So I thought the uh, XR glasses uh, were, there were fewer of them this yes. year. Many companies not present, only one or two new players. Uh, and and we can talk about them in the bit in a bit, but of course the dominating presence in that area was Xreal. Uh, they had their biggest booth ever. Uh, they were celebrating the success of their Air glasses, mm -hmm. uh, Xreal Airs, which are um, uh, screen replacement device. They're a uh, uh, screen extenders. Yeah, yeah, screen extender, wearable monitor. 
Right. Takes uh, your phone and links it to the to the headset. Correct. So they pivoted away from the end real light, which was a sixed off true AR magic leap type of experience that was incredibly janky and it didn't right. really work. And uh and so they pivoted to the air and they've sold 300,000 of it. It saved the company. Right. That was very, very smart, right? To say, okay, wait a minute, let's get rid of really the complicated parts of the technology and get the display part right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And and let's take something people are doing, consuming media, playing games on their phone, and make it better by giving them a big screen experience. So what is the next step after that? They took all of that spatial computing technology that they had in the end real light that they had to walk away from three or four years ago, and they brought it back now with this better form factor. Yeah. And it really is called the uh, Nreal Light Ultra. Uh, I'm sorry, the X-Real. Yeah, the X-Real Light. I'm sorry, the X-Real Ultra. Ultra. Like MK Ultra. <laughs> exactly. X-Real Ultra. But I was, I, I, was, I was both uh, surprised and delighted at how good it is. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you make an interesting point about uh, the janky to the non-janky approach toward technology and the uh, evolution of a company with aspirations to be exotic and then learning a hard lesson that the reason why we call it exotic is because it's a very small market for exotic, yeah. regardless of what of what the, the category is. So companies feel like they want to be everything to everyone and the smart company. So I got a chance to spend some time with Chi a couple of days ago before I flew out of CES. Uh, and she is the, really by the way, founder and CEO of yeah, uh, Xreal, she, you, and um, a former Magic Leap engineer. Correct. So we got a chance to sit down end of the day and kind of do a little VIP walkthrough of everything. Uh, but I love your trajectory on, you know, companies that tend to come from that part of the world start off very janky. Like it, the, the promise is there, but nothing works. I was often kind of reflecting on like the early days of Android. Like it was super janky. The hardware never actually allowed you to do whatever the promise was, but it's kind of the anti-Apple, right? Apple tries to make it refined enough and not janky when they release a product, which is of course what they're trying to do with Vision Pro. The Android world, which basically this is sort of an Android kind of evolution of, you know, put it up, put it up here, kind of says, you know what? It's going to be, I guess Windows was kind of janky too for a long time. And it's sooner or later they figure it out, right? Um, so Chi and Xreal, is getting to the figure it out point. I wouldn't say it's perfect yet. It's still a little janky in certain ways, but they found a way to make a business out of it. And they found a way to find categories that make sense for people that want to buy these things at certain price points. So there's a, you know, a sub $500 one and a sub like $800 one. And the $800 one is more sophisticated and does some really cool stuff, but it's for a much smaller audience. Even that little bit of price Delta, you yeah. know, is, is interesting. The, um, uh, anyway, they're they're the industry leader right now. The uh, the real industry leader, uh, Apple, has not yet released its device, but I heard more about it this week. From well, they have a release date now. Right? They have a so release date at the one. end of the month. At the end of the month or February second, I forget which, yep, but soon, right. soon. Yep. Uh, so people are super stoked about that. Yep. Uh, and Apple had a real presence at this show, really, for the first time in years, at least in the uh, part of it where I swim. Uh, and uh, I heard so much about the Vision Pro, uh, considering it wasn't here, considering Apple never participates in this show. Uh, and I think it's significance and importance to uh, the XR industry uh, really cannot be overstated. Well, Apple has learned the art of making more noise by not 
doing anything that anybody else does than any other company on the planet. They do their own thing. Amazing. They deliver their messaging in their own way and everybody talks about it. And, um, you know, just the fact that with tax, depending on where you live in the world, this is a $4,000 product. And nobody seems to be talking about the fact that this is four grand that people have to pay for. Everybody that, at least in our circles of, of influence, is kind of removed that from their head. Like they're just, you know, <laughs> got to be in this game. Apple knows how to build aspiration yeah. and remove price point concern from that in a first-gen product. It's kind of, Apple is amazing in many, many ways, you know, beyond just the product itself. The way they deliver that messaging of, if you're a price sensitive moment, uh, that's not, this is not for you. Like this is, they understand, you know, exotic sports cars. And like, I was joking that I said, you know, if you think about the the profile of who's going to buy these devices, if you own a high-end Tesla, you're definitely buying a Vision Pro. Like, it's, it's, it's just the absolute category lock-in, right? Kind of thing. So um, one thing in the XR area, and then let's move on to some other CES-related topics, is um, health tech and using yeah. XR technology to help the blind to see. Right. right. You can use computer vision uh, and LIDAR scanning and things that, Obviously, somebody who's vision impaired can't do for themselves, but um, using things like AI and computer vision, you know, the world can talk to blind people. Sensors can talk to blind people and help them navigate the world. And that's just one example of the health tech. But I just thought health tech at the show in, in our XR, using our XR technology, but also many other uh, new technologies and integrating them into wearable devices for people who are uh, handicapped in some way uh, ha has be was the real thing at the show. Yeah. So a I, lot. I, I mean, you speak about Eureka Park. I saw a lot of that kind of technology yeah. come from startups. Me too. I, I found an interesting area that is now, to your point, starting to become a category in terms of the um, the, the 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 fall detection and health detection of older people. You know, we all remember the the little button, "Help me, I've fallen, I can't get up." Uh, old people don't want to wear that. Young people don't want to wear that. Like it's, <laughs> nobody wants to wear that. So there's been a whole new category of using these IoT sensors and cameras at a very low cost to basically make your home into a smart sensor environment. So your parents, your grandparents, as they get older, um, you can install these things. It's kind of like installing a ring or nest system. But what it's doing is it can track, you know, where you are in the world and it can do fall sense and fall detection and automatically call 911 or call your relatives without you having to physically wear the device. Um, and I thought that was a really, and it's it's not just one or two companies that were showing at Eureka Park. There was a whole category of folks doing like areas of this that made sense. And I thought that was sort of inspiring to me from a way CES kind of, you know, builds on, on technology trajectory. So we had some fun uh, going to the sphere. And mm -hmm. for those of you on the show who do not know what the sphere is. It's a giant geodistic dome, if you will, made out of LED screens, both inside and outside. Right. Uh, was created by MSG, the company that owns Madison Square Garden and and uh, other venues. And it was uh, built to be sort of the ultimate uh, concert and entertainment venue. You two opened it up. They were there for four weeks. I think it would be an amazing place to see an act like that uh, with uh, the graphics running around the ceiling, animated graphics running around the ceiling. Uh, 
you know, it's a really exciting technology. And when you see it from the outside, of course, it's it's astonishing, right? Because it's it's this stadium-sized screen. Uh, and I don't mean the screen inside the stadium. I mean, the entire stadium is the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's extraordinary to look at. Uh, and we saw Darren Aronofsky's film. Do you, I don't remember the title of it. It was made uh, Postcards from Earth, I think it's called. So it's made specifically for the dome. Um, I think it costs a hundred dollars to to go see it. Yeah, so, it's an expensive movie, but it's worth but, it. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure it was worth it. I don't think it showed <laughs> off. I don't think it showed off the sphere to its best advantage. Uh, I thought it felt a little bit like an IMAX film, mm -hmm. right? With many of the same motifs, and you know, you get a big I oh wow at first, like you do in IMAX, but then after a while, you're just watching a movie, and the movie itself was kind of meh. Uh, the uh, and I just don't think because I think it was trying to take another genre and put it into, you know, sort of out of context inside. Would have been much more at home in an IMAX theater than it was uh, in the Sphere. So I think the Sphere uh, has great potential. It is so big, it is so expensive um, that I just I don't know how they will ever. It cost I think two billion dollars, two and a half billion dollars. Uh, I think over think. that by the time they were done. Well, they had to. They had to split off and make a separate company from Madison Square Garden from MSG because it was basically such a, a cost draw that you know the expense uh, draw on the company that they literally had to split apart to keep the thing going. Um, it's interesting that you thought it was meh. I, I I don't disagree with you on that, Charlie. I guess I'm you know giving it sort of a a little bit of a trajectory to see what different artists will do with it. Um, mm -hmm. I thought to your point, you know, for those that remember soaring over California, the, the ride Disney, or just soaring yeah, now, the there were, there were some visuals that were remarkably beautiful in there. They, you know, the cameras they're using crazy high res, they had to build their custom camera. The array is just gigantic. Um, my sort of, and I don't know if this is a, necessarily a critique or just a, po a sort of postulation on it is, you know, my awareness of size was really interesting because size is a relation to how far you sit from a screen, right? So because the venue itself is so large with like 19,000 people, which they put five or 6,000 in for the movie, you have to make the screen that physically large to achieve that objective because you're sitting so far away from it because the venue is so big. But in actuality, the experience in a, in a, you know, in a proper IMAX auditorium, which has now got deep lineage, or a slightly smaller venue that understands these dynamics. I think there's gonna be a lot of people and a lot of other companies that learn from what is the right size to build a venue using technology that wants to immerse you in the experience. And I don't necessarily think um, that it, other than Vegas, maybe you know they don't need to be this big uh, and they don't need to push technology this hard because it's very expensive to draw that many pixels on a screen, but just the raw aplomb of like, let's see if we could make the world's largest screen experience um is it, it's an impressive feat i i think an artist or a filmmaker will do something fantastic with this i do too i, do I, too. I don't i can't think, wait to see what other voices yeah, come I, don't, I don't i don't think this one quite got there because it's too connected to the old method of making a big screen experience like imax i think but that's right i think I agree with this that. is a new thing and it needs a new approach and a new kind of uh, art to be yeah. in. So let's see where it goes, right? Yeah. There's a lot of artists out there that would love to work on that canvas. I think that's true. Quite incredible. Uh, so uh, going on with uh, more about uh, CES. Um, 
there were uh, lots of announcements this week, right? Lots of companies choose to, um, you know, pull out the stops and show off their new technology. But there's also a lot that goes on in the world of tech during CES that people uh, that happened during CES for a reason, because uh, they don't want you to look in their direction. Mm -hmm. uh, Unity lays off 25% of its workforce this week. Sure. Youch. Uh, this has not been a good uh, year for Unity. Uh, they, uh, at the same time, Google laid off um, uh, almost a thousand people, and thousand, uh, right, yeah. many of them, right? Which is nothing to Google's one hundred eighty thousand person company, but uh, they were all uh, many of them in the AI hardware group. Right, they were engineers and uh, engineer AR. Management. Sorry, AR hardware group. Mm -hmm. So, which is interesting because it says this thing that they're doing with Qualcomm and Samsung, I mean, with uh, Qualcomm and Samsung, maybe a lot more Qualcomm and Samsung and a lot less Google than we yeah. thought. It is a Google-Samsung project that uses a Qualcomm chip inside it. That was one of the big hardware announcements is our friends at Qualcomm announced their next next-gen XR2 Plus chip or whatever they called it that has even more extended capabilities, more processing, uh, the wireless connection starts to become real. Um, so, uh, you know, and they're driving really other than Apple and I guess Magic Leap, they're driving uh, the entire XR industry from a chipset standpoint. No one else. Yes. Oh, absolutely. They're they're um, they they totally are making the inside of the stuff. So they're the picks and shovels. They're the ones really yeah. profiting from XR right now. They're the company store. That is true. They make they make money whether anybody else does. Whether it. anybody buys a damn thing or not, right? Exactly. But you know, we're seeing those Qualcomm chips, those XR two chips everywhere, though, not everywhere. just in XR. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're putting them in mobile phones now. Interesting company to watch. Yes. So um, uh, let's see uh, other things in the news. Sony uh, introduces an XR headset. Looks a lot like the uh, Quest Pro because mm -hmm. uh, it's got a flip up visor and multiple outward facing cameras. Sort of everybody is releasing what they think is going to be their version of the Vision Pro. Kind of like a redo of the HoloLens more than uh, than a Quest Pro. Well, it's right? passed, but it's passed through. It's not see through. Right, but but it's like so. It's like a hybrid of what the Hololens did and what the Quest Three does, but using the ergonomics of a flip-up screen. Yeah, it looks like Lynx. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. another company that was not here this year that was there right. last year. Last year. Uh, Lynx was the really the pioneer of of <clears throat> of pass through. Uh, <clears throat> just unfortunate that uh, such a small company, particularly uh, in, from Europe, could um, possibly catch up to, uh, you know, what Meta was doing. Yeah. So uh, I, I did not see the Sony headset. Uh, you know, Sony is has a very, very funny presence at CES mm. and always has. They have a giant sort of pavilion inside of the convention center, but it's a, its own island. There's never anything next to it. You never walk from Panasonic to Sony. It's always its own sort of hermetically sealed. Yeah, kind of tucked off in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Hermetically sealed giant Sony world where they've got Columbia Pictures and Sony Studios and they're yeah. showing trailers for movies and they've got, you know, audio and video. I mean, I I can't even get to the XR there. I'm, I don't even rate high enough to get because, to get you know, in. you're Sony. If you're not CNN, go away. Right. Very old. It's an old school company, but I'm obviously very successful in many ways. Still with PlayStation now, PlayStation Five, and that ecosystem, you know, being a giant profit driver for them. But largely, kind of missed the the wave of consumer television uh, that has now been effectively taken over by Samsung and LG and yes. many many other Chinese. Oh, and by the way, one other thing I should mention: we're we're headed 
uh, Faith is going to be on in any second, so I, I just want to get out this out there. LG was showing off their transparent TV screens. Mm -hmm. And and there's depth to them, so they feel really kind of a little 3D. Um, but I, I thought it was quite extraordinary. Uh, I'm not quite sure where this is going, but it was both be beautiful and very surprising. Yeah, that technology has been around now for a number of CESs kind of tucked in the corners as well, because I think their initial thought was it's going to be used for digital signage and, uh, signage and outdoor display and stuff, uh, which some people have done. But now they're trying to make a consumer push that this will be the next TV you buy will be this kind of interesting artistic thing that you can do other things in this watch TV and clear when it, when it is clear, that's black. Like it goes into, that's the black, the new black of the screen. Right. Um, so it's interesting. It was an interesting display they had set up to, yep. to say, maybe this is a consumer touch point now. Yeah. The, and they did a lot with I mean, smart home too. It's, it's and, crazy expensive. So no regular yeah, people are going to buy it right now, but I'd be interested to see where that's going to go. Yeah, All right, someday, well, let's yeah. let's let's bring on Faith. We could talk about CES uh, for another four hours. I'm going to try and get home to LA and write my roundup while watching football this weekend. So uh, I'll share that with you guys uh, next week. Um, if you are at CES or someplace traveling, uh, safe home, uh, have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here with Roni. Uh, let's get to Faith. Hi, Faith. Welcome to This Week in XR. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us this week. Oh, how are you? I'm I'm still I'm still in Las Vegas. Ted yeah. is on the other oh side God. of the country. <laughs> what a show that was! Crazy, cray cray. Yeah, so it was you good. were you were there uh, on behalf of our friends at Proto, who yes, have the uh, this amazing sort of box holographic box that shows uh, people photorealistically. Uh, in real time, appearing to be volumetrically present where they oh, are remote. You can do the commercial then. <laughs> I've been following them for quite some time. It's a, oh, really? a very, very exciting product, particularly if it takes you by surprise and you're seeing it live. I know, it's wild. So you were here, <clears throat> you were here representing them. Uh, you just joined them, I guess, as an advisor. Well, no, yeah, that and a little bit more, you know, um, I met them a couple of years ago and I was very impressed. As a matter of fact, I was saying, like, this seems like the thing before the thing called time travel. <laughs> and I I just loved it. And they asked me if I would be, I've never done this before. You can, you know, you know me a long time. Um, if the, I would be their futurist, like mainly advise them as a futurist. So I said, yeah, because I really believe in this thing. I think it's just amazing and uh, i don't know i think it's, it's truly the future um we work with so many ceos you know fortune 200 companies at, at brain reserve that's what we do you know we help them see what's coming and one of the things about these mainly guys that we work with is they have really rough lives because they they you know they have to, they abu dhabi they go to japan they go to you know literally had them f fall asleep like, you know, at a dinner. And this enables them to actually be there without being there. Mm. And I think, I think, I, and, and another thing that enables them to do, you know, how does, um, how does a, a person that is this chairman of like four or five, 6,000 stores really make its people know hey, I really care about you, I'm here, even if he does care about them, you know? So he can do these big town halls, very impersonal. 
but this really allows could allow him to be in a store have his people gather around be able to see them and talk to them and three-dimensional body um it's all yeah. unless you try yeah. to stick your hand in the box i mean yeah faith we um we often charlie and i often talk about breaking what we call the time space continuum of you know the physicality of life and and up until fairly recently the the need to to be in the same time zone in the same physical space um and now we've sort of broken through that in many many layers from the most pedestrian like we're we're you know on a zoom client as well and most people listen to this uh podcast so they're not actually watching our our uh -huh. images but the three of us are connected you know but a fairly pedestrian way, right? It's a traditional screen, it's 2D, wow. but we can see each other and we can interact and we can get the facial cues to a certain extent and the cadence of a conversation. But what you're working on, you know, Google's been working on this too with something called um, Star Starlight, I think. Charlie, they, we mentioned it in our, yes. the panel where we had one of the, uh, our friend Aaron from Google. Um, and I've used that Starlight system a couple of times. And it's really interesting because you're at full size, like your actual body size, right? And it's using three-dimensional cameras and kind of a like a, a modern Pepper's Ghost sort of illusion to achieve the the feeling that there's volume there, um, and that takes it to a whole new level than just doing a Zoom or or a FaceTime, right? So I would imagine is that is that sort of what Proto is doing as well? Is that kind of where you're headed with this? Yeah, you know, we're, I just said I'm a rabbit hole person. You know, we're made out of starlight. It's interesting that they called it that. I wonder if that's what they. Um, Yes. You see, I think this is, I think that eventually they're going to get rid of the box. You know? Yeah. The thing is, I mean, we're working on all kinds of things like this, but the thing is that somebody could be like right there with you. And, and then you have to say, is that them or is that them? Or, you know, what's the difference? And um, I once went to Bill, I'm not name dropping, I swear, but I, I went to Bill Gates' house once a long time ago, long, long time ago. And he showed us a, repli a replica, or it was on a screen of a, a Picasso and then a Picasso. And he said, can you tell the difference? You really, I mean, I'm not an art critic or anything, but you really couldn't tell the difference. And he said, so, and it's weird. What is the real Picasso? That's what started my mind on this, this was 20 years ago. And I'm saying like, isn't that, isn't that enough of the real person being there? Yeah, I think there's, 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 it's a very interesting discussion to talk about going deep down a rabbit hole. The idea of oh, actually know. being in person with someone, there's a nuance to that, that connectivity when you're with a close friend or yeah. your wife, your mate, your, your partner, that transcends just what we're doing now or even the most sophisticated video technology or spatial technology version but we get closer and closer to the end game all the time uh to the point where modern you know younger people younger than us have essentially like removed phone calls from their entire sphere of existence oh, yeah. right yeah because yeah. they want this in some way shape or form because it's a better representation um, and then on the most exotic sides, like what you're working on, what Google's working on, what Apple is likely working on with their with something around the Vision Pro and their way to, you know, video, like FaceTime is obviously a big part of their ecosystem, right? And yeah. there's no doubt 
that Apple will do something around the evolution of FaceTime with the Vision Pro. And they showed some inklings of that with the idea that you're going to put the device on with all the internal cameras. It'll scan your face and build a representation of you that you can then represent because obviously you're wearing a, a box on your face. So they have to do that in some way. But it's interesting that you're thinking about that. I'm thinking about hardly anything else because <laughs> it's become impossible to live because you have to be so many different people to so many different people. You have to do so many different things. You have to kind of accomplish so much and be everywhere. You know, so at, in the beginning, to tell you the truth, my primitive thinking was avatars. You know, okay, nice avatar, you know, and it can go and do my thing. And, you know, it's some kind of blend of that where, well, that's the next step of proto. It's this, rep, you want to call it representation. I keep asking my clients, you know, we deal mainly with like Fortune 200. We help them see what's coming. They say to us, that's not true. This is my life. That's not true. I go, no, this is coming. You know, watch out. You're on like this road. This now. And then, of course, then it comes. So I I really think that this is part of, you know, um, as I said, time travel, um, being, let's say, a parent that can be at school, at work at the same time. Um, and I also would say, and I, I bet you just knowing you a little bit, Ted and Charlie, uh, Take the artificial away from intelligence, please. That is just something to make we humans feel like comfy. It's not artificial at all. Charlie it's, and I would 100% agree with you about that. I love you guys. I'm coming there. I am so lonely here. What? <laughs> and they go, no, no. And somebody said, I forget what it was. Somebody very, very smart said, and it's the last machine humans will have to build. Mm. because they will it will keep you know building itself it sounds like a movie you know not a good movie but it sounds like a movie but it's actually happening you charlie agree? should we back up a step we often do this with people that are really interesting and intriguing we go we go to like third base uh as opposed to starting at home plate and then trying to get to first should we oh, back up a step and have faith give a little arc of your career and, and your personal journey and what you're like, what you're doing. I'm sure the listeners are like, she sounds fascinating, but Charlie and Ted have often forget to ask the first question. Yeah, she's great. You're, you guys are having a great conversation. Who is she exactly? Yeah, so exactly. Who is we, gave a, we gave you a short intro at the top of the show, but Ted is it's right. It would be great. It would be Frank great. To hear. I have this right here. I have to get it. I cannot tell you my history. Without my phone. Here it is. Okay. Okay, I've got my cup <laughs> that my daughter made when she was three years old. She's 25. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> anyway, I have two. Here's one thing in my history I have two adopted Chinese children, 125, 119 now, because I was actually raised in Shanghai. It's not quite a because, but it kind of makes a little sense, teeny bit. And um, my father was um, head of the uh, CID, Criminal Investigation Division of the U.S. Army, mm -hmm. CIA, right? So it's not like, you know, people announce, and now I'm in the CIA, but, you know, we thought he was. Um, and so he was a criminal lawyer. My mother was a negligence lawyer. So that explains me to some degree, because 
my father and I used to sit around the table and like our 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 happy place was what's the perfect crime you know <laughs> so we would discuss like what's the perfect crime what's the worst criminal what you know he was fascinated with that by the way the perfect crime looks like an accident and my father died in an accident so mm. yeah ooh. anyway but I grew up in the East Village after Shanghai. I wanted to be an actor. I went to performing arts. I studied, you know, acting and everything. My parents said, oh, it's ridiculous. I went to NYU. They said, you're going to be a lawyer. I go, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. But, you know, my father, as I said, disappeared in the middle of this. So I, I you know, kind of got into um, communications. And I don't like to work alone. I'm the opposite of a loner. So I always had a group like my friends, my team, people I knew, like a kitchen cabinet. And that became Talent Bank. That's 10,000 futurists we have in our bank. So if you ever need a, another futurist of any kind of futurist, I'm the librarian for this. And um, I started Faith Popcorn's Brain Reserve. And it took quite a while for people to understand, like, what what is that? And, and still, and what it is, is a study of what's coming and what it means to actually we do consumers what it means to people that buy things that's really our practice but my fascination is just the first part what's coming so you know we, we our predictions you can look back i wrote four books just so i could benchmark because writing books is not fun at all i agree 100 you know, did you write a book charlie I, yeah i wrote uh i've written three books uh, four, if you count the one that wasn't published, and I hated every minute of it. I love being an author. I love having written a book, but yeah. sitting there and actually executing is uh, tedious and uh, takes a long time. And, uh, it, you know, sort of when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to do anything else. And uh, you don't make any money. That's the bonus. Well, yeah, and nobody reads your goddamn book, but it is uh, the I can't, of the I, book. It I is can't the fact of the book of, that matters. Can't tell you the amount of times, countless times, people have said, "You should write a book, Ted. You've got an interesting little path." And then my friend Charlie and everybody else that are close friends are like, "You don't want to write a book. No, don't, you don't, don't, don't do it." No, but I'll say that I did write a book. You know, with well, you book. wrote a book, Faith. Let's be fair. You wrote a book when people did read books. I wrote a book when people were done reading books. So I think it's a little bit different because the influence of the written word uh, before. Uh, the internet washed over us <laughs> was very different than it is today. And most people listening to this probably weren't born or don't remember when the written word and magazines and newspapers were the primary way we exchanged information. Exactly. And it just isn't anymore. Uh, well, so so it's a very, very different world than than when you wrote those books. Well, I wrote a book. I mean, I wrote the Popcorn Report, which was like a mega book in 1990. And everything in the Popcorn Report eventually came true, which not only like gave me credibility, but spooked the hell out of me because I thought, just kidding, kind of, you know, <laughs> imagining. So anyway, and then I wrote my best book, I think was called Evolution about how to market to females, which I, you know, a, a typical response from a, a CEO was, oh, I got to give this to all my women uh, uh, executives. I go, no. <laughs> so anyway, and then Adam Hampton and I wrote Dictionary of the Future. That's a very interesting book. It's, a, it's an actual Dictionary of the Future. And we were very, very accurate about future terminology. So, yeah, I wouldn't do it again, you know. <laughs> 
um that was it and then i don't know brain reserve kept on going and um we try to figure this out for clients you know for campbell's soup we said goodness is coming that was early it came when you know people would want companies to be good and they had mm, good for example mm -hmm. you know um we work with isolation brands you know big alcoholic beverage company that's a wonderful client and i mean we've worked with most of them amex all of them um how, how early in your curve of all this study did you know that e-commerce in all its forms would literally change the world like how you know i'll talk about this time space continuum right the the idea of breaking the idea of the physical need to go to the place to get the stuff huh. um, i'm curious like, yes could... my png story we i got up and spoke there six i think a couple of thousand people i said everything is going to be ordered mm -hmm. you know online it will be delivered home it will eventually be delivered not quite yet almost here into your refrigerator refrigerator is going to be making lists the supermarket will die and you know and they literally laughed which was not comfortable i said okay you're laughing now but you know i guess bezos was thinking something like it yeah. you know so, but it was very hard because it's very difficult if you are in one technology or one what frame i make stuff for supermarkets or i'm a supermarket for you to imagine that one day people will be so scared of going outside of their homes, let's say, or, you know, or, or, or actually finding something better to do, um, that that won't be necessary. It's very hard to see it when your flesh and blood and your careers and everything is around it. I think that's some of our hardest challenges with some clients, you know, for, I know it's hard, but it's very hard to reinvent yourself. If I said to you, Ted or Charlie, become something else anything else it's like you'd start with maybe your physicality yeah. what, what would you start with how would you start so it's um and it's, so do you think that we're at the tail end of the sort of traditional grid of pixels with an edge aka a screen yes you know the way we hold a screen we're all sitting on a screen mm -hmm. now yeah. we're looking at each other do you, you you've got a pretty good sense of pre predicting this stuff out how far away is it till the screen that we're using today seems completely like, you know, nobody, we don't see CRT screens anymore in our world, right? That wasn't all that long ago that they were everywhere. The idea of a cathode ray tube, we all had Sony Trinitron TVs or Curtis Mathis TVs because we're older, right? But those don't exist at all anymore. That industry doesn't exist. Do you right. believe this sort of LCD, TFT, here's the pixels, here's where they start, here's where they stop? Is that sort of in your future mindset and how long does it take to get there? Well, I would say the it's in a way here, there's some stuff in the air that you can see. Mm -hmm. Three to five, that's probably short. Four yeah, to, I think it's way longer than three to five years, to but eight? I'm just curious. Four to eight, not that long. Hmm. It's not, it's not, look, I'm not an engineer, but it's not like logical it doesn't go one then three then five and seven it goes one then three then 84 <laughs> like exponential curve yeah yeah when we get it right yeah, yeah. and yeah. because this is a pain in the it takes up so much room is silly 
And I, I, I think, I think that's going to go very fast. Yeah. And I think, you know, the supermarket thing, the supermarket people like say, well, that's where women socialize. Like, I don't not, know. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. Not, not any ever, by the way. Yeah. Not <laughs> any ever. So it's just a classic underestimation of, you know, your, your consumer. It happens everywhere. Like people wouldn't stop smoking or now people wouldn't stop drinking or people would, you know, we're not as smart as AI, but we're pretty smart. And, you know, things occur. Well, we're not as smart as AI because AI takes the collective of all of us and synthesizes it and allows it to just be accessed. That's why it's just the evolution of what search has become. You know, the fact yeah. that we have a device that connects to the world's knowledge base at the tip of our fingers in our hands and why people think it's such a huge shift to turn that into AI. That was no shift at all to me. It's just, of course, the evolution of the cloud is you have a repository of information. People figure out better and better ways to access that information. And a large language model is just that. So exactly. I'm curious if you agree with yeah. that or disagree that's, with that. That's absolutely true. But the thing I think we weren't counting on is it exceeds what we all know. Yeah. It knows the next thing. And then we start to wonder what it knows and want to know what it knows because it's ahead of us. And that is more than collective knowledge. And then, you know, this whole, I, I mean, they try to suppress this, but that these kind of uh, whatever you want to call them robots, I don't want you to think, I, I know you don't, but the, the Tin Man, it's not like the Tin Man, like, you know, robotic thinking. Uh, they are, they can be sentient. I mean, they've seen this in labs. They've seen this. They just don't want to think it. And I can understand. You don't want to be outdated as a human. But first, we're going to have a lot of fun with chat. And isn't it great? Isn't it super that we can ask it any question, not have to do a lot of homework, which I personally hate homework, you know, so like we, but, and then it like says, you know, your boss writes you like, uh, note that you have been replaced, but they call it something else. You know, your, what do they call it? Your job is Re repurposed. You're going repurposed. to be repurposed now. Yeah. Or like your job is not necessary anymore. So you can't sue us, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. And so I always look because I'm a oppositional type thinker and human, you know, so what's the other side of it? So is it extreme humanity? Is it, you know, the last grasps of sensitivity, which makes us oversensitive? Is that why we're trying to feel something more than we actually feel? So uh, the psychedelics are coming back, you know, or the ketamines or the mushrooms or this kind of thing, we're trying to feel, see something um besties i notice are coming back everybody you know you want a best friend you want somebody to talk to um that loneliness epidemic is you know sort of the underside of this so that's what i think yeah Have well we've seen you know the de-evolution of social media so quickly because of what you're referring to is that um these systems designed for profit for for the for the few and designed to support a sort of a, a you know a stockholder ethos of everything should be profit motive um first 
uh, has de-evolved into into a place where uh, it it becomes nothing. I think that the ethicists and the believers in how amazing technology can connect people uh, even uh, saw or predicted. So while your side of like look at the amazement of what happened with e-commerce, do you have thoughts on look at what what I would call the de-amazement of what happened with social connectivity over the internet? You know, and 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 the democratization of information uh, turned the the lack of substance and the lack of of honor around information into a business. Uh, some of the busy, biggest businesses in the world. So I don't know. Yeah. If you know what I'm noticing, and let's—I mean, it's a tiny prediction, but like, I started to get together with a few people in what they call the club. I said, "Why is it a club?" They think it's a club. It's just what they call it. It's a sad, you know. I'm. Do you know East Hampton or Sad Harbor or this sure. area? Yes. I live. I live in, on the weekends, but now more and more in Wainscott, which is nearby. So this little club is on the second floor above a, a retail store. By the way, that's how I grew up. My grandfather had a retail store. That's how I learned positioning. Is the window not right? We'll change this. We'll put the ties here. We'll put the shoes there. You know, that's so. And a couple of us meet, you know, one is a guy that starts a lot of businesses. Another is my friend, Michelle Evans. She was head of uh, HR at Facebook, but she couldn't bear like the whole, you know, thing, you know, this. Oh. Anyway, a couple of really smart people. And we don't even know why they were together. And by the way, three quarters of them, I am not included, don't drink even. So they were sitting there and um, I'm going, oh my God, it's so good to be here. Oh my God. For the first 20 minutes, like it's so good to be here. And then we started looking into it that across the nation's clubs are starting to sprout up and fill up, you know? So I think that there is this last desperation um, of, of wanting to be together, like hungry. We were hungry to be together. Your employees mm -hmm. don't wanna come in. If they come in, they're resentful. They wanna be somewhere else. It's really like, so I'm, I'm seeing that could be the underside if that's what you mean, you know? We're not on our phones. We're, Hugging each other. Yeah, that's kind of what we were talking about before in terms of there's that last fashion of humanity that requires actual interpersonal, the, you know, concept of sitting around the campfire, being sharing a, a drink or a or a coffee or a or a, or a, a, a muffin with somebody, like just actually the the physical presence, because it's largely been replaced by digital presence in 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 many ways. But you know, here we are, the three of us, kind of working in that field, right? So. Uh, how do we fit into that equation when we think all about the the side that we're leaving behind? There's always, Charlie and I talk about this like uh, all the time. There's always a give to get, right? You're going to have to give up something to get something else. And um, that that's a never ending sort of well, philosophy. Do you see what Rachel Maddow, my personal heroine, is doing? <laughs> She's in that club. It's like, a, it's a town, it's, a, it's what, city center. Like it's an audience. And she's sitting there with Chris, him, mm -hmm. and just talking. You know, I think I was trying. I was trying to write a rap song. Don't ask me about my musical side. You know, my career. I actually have written an album about the future. Well, you just opened that door, so that's trying to go right down it. I know. Why did I say that? 
it. Okay. No, you make people so comfortable, you little rats, that they say everything. So anyway, um, no, I, I, I do have an album about the future, but I haven't dropped it because I, I, I just don't know what to do with it. Like I have one song called Slow Boat to Mars about Elon Musk and, you know, things like that, you know, so. But anyway, I was trying to write a rap song about um, about um, <clears throat> Rachel because I think she should run for something or I think she should not be in this dimension. She's too big. Too big. So interesting that you, you, you dropped that little nugget because I believe the smartest media professionals in the world should run for public office. I thought, Charlie, no. I'm, I have to imagine you agree with me. I thought many years ago, why doesn't Jon Stewart, if he's going to retire from The Daily yeah. Show, run for president and in fact i got a chance to ask him that at a conference once and he was like what do you say why would i ever do that well, he doesn't <laughs> want to get shot or whatever yeah. but yeah but like i mean even well yeah so but rachel is rachel Maddow would be an amazing leader i think because she's well thought and understands things you know yeah yeah i'm reading prequel now giving me the chills but anyway yeah so i, th I think i think she's quite amazing and i i'm sure she does not want to run for anything she does not even want to do her show. Probably not. I think they see. I think they see public office, public service as a limiting factor. I, I, I think the, the system is so broken that they don't believe they can fix it. They can just comment on it. Yeah, and I think they're worried about their 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 survival. I mean, people they're crazy. You know, you're putting yourself out there. A lot of crazies. You know, get yourself killed. But I think she'd be great. I think Michelle Obama would have been great. And think about a country where. Rachel Maddow and Michelle Obama was running it. No wars, no wars. No, I mean, I I don't think so. I know, no, I don't think so. I think women are worried about their sons and daughters too much. They can't, they can't. They, my book, Evolution, talked a lot about this and nobody liked it, but we're wired so differently. You know, so some things we can't. And I don't think we can like make kids die can't mm -hmm. so <clears throat> faith we've got three minutes left i promised you that i would get you out of here in half an hour I so could you could go weekend. back you could go back to your real job no uh, this is so much fun <laughs> so uh I, you were here in las vegas at ces actually i'm still here i uh, was and, oh, and, and what was your overall impression of the show this year that's was that was did you impression. just come in and do your proto thing and then leave no, or did you like, have a chance no, it was, I I like this show because a lot of people that are real entrepreneurs were there trying to sell their stuff. It was like a street fair on another level. I look at it as a street fair, like, whoa, this guy's got a, he was on my panel. I did a panel too. Um, a mirror that coached you, which I think is really right on. He had a carpet that told you if you're off balance in the bathroom, you know, he told you like, go to get this check, go get that check, you know? And so people that don't have a lot of, maybe not a lot of money were there going like, you know, here I am. So I liked it from that perspective. It's Las Vegas is very bad for the senses. If you're sensitive, it's like, you know, the lights. Mm -hmm. The 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 non-music, the the vibe is like I said, where's Frank Sinatra? That's somebody I want to see. Where is he? By the way, you can still see, you know, if you want to go back old school, uh, yeah. and I hope he's still performing, you can still see Wayne Newton 
in a tiny little club. It's either at the Flamingo or the Tropicana. And it is one of the most remarkable things to yeah. see him tell his life story in a teeny little theater with maybe 80 people in it. Uh, I... And he's been performing for longer than anybody it did in Vegas. And if you ever get a chance to do it, Charlie, Faith, trust me, it is. I, I, I was brought there with some very special friends in a very special way going, really, Wayne Newton, still alive, still performing? Yeah, you need to go see this. And some no, that's gorgeous. famous comedian, famous magician that I spent time with were like, you have to go. And yeah. it was one of the most special evenings that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Like, well, I, so the there is still episode. a Vegas underneath all of that glitz and technology that's overwhelming. The technology, uh, yes. That's remarkable. And you when Newton is there. I'm going to go see it, but you have to see all the bad technology. There's a lot of there's a lot of overwhelming uh, the the amount of LED dots now that have taken <laughs> over neon signs and incandescent bulbs. Maybe yeah. there's something still very, you know it's actually I have a I, I have a very funny photo I could send to you um, a few weeks ago I was at the AWS conference and it happened the last night they had a um, a big party at this fairgrounds across from the Sahara sixty thousand people of my best friends right all from Amazon and there was a really interesting uh, moment where the sign of the circus circus and the sphere, because it's all off in the distance, were like lined up. So I have like this crazy new technology of this giant bubble of LED and this beautiful old technology of circus circus signage back in the day, right next to each other. And it makes this unbelievable dichotomy of there's something obviously technologically amazing about the sphere and what it does. Charlie and I actually went to it in, in, in Vegas, This, uh, you know, both the inside and the outside. But yeah. there's also something extraordinarily charming about old incandescent bulbs from far, far away that they're still keeping alive. And the fact yeah. that they were right next to each other, it was kind of like, here's the old and the new, and they both mean something. And they're both important in their own way. It was a kind of really interesting I, little philosophical moment for me. You know, I back to your club, I do, you know, some speaking. My favorite thing is like real people in a real audience a real group that can come up after and you know like you know say you know i'm so glad to meet you can i have your phone number give my phone number out like indiscriminately i mean you know i might email them i just feel like i love them and they are taking the future forward in a very good way they're warm warm so ted i'm gonna rush right back to las vegas no i mean <laughs> Next, Next time, time you're there, go see right. Wayne Newton. I promise I will. And can I tell you guys what a delight it is to talk to you? Can I tell you how different you are from most interviewers and podcasters? Oh, thank you. Well, we don't really think we're interviewing you. We thought we were just having a conversation with an old... It's our own little club. We yeah, just, we our just little club. around. If you're, ever, if you're ever around, you're very much invited over, so... All right. Well, uh, I'm in New York all the time, so I guess I'll see okay. you soon, Faith. Please, Charlie. I, I, the funny thing is that I really mean it, so... okay. I, okay. I do at the end of February, so we'll it come would, out to the Hamptons. It, it's not absolutely. that far. It would be a pleasure. Come. All right. Well, thank you for your time today, Faith. I, your your insight and your charm are oh, in abundance you. and evidence on our show today. Um, oh. Love talking to you. Uh, have a great weekend and have a great weekend, everybody. And thanks for listening to our show. Thank you guys, really. See you. Bye.